You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to Lays Mountain West Fire Basketball Podcast. We are back for President's Day weekend. Eli, do you have President's Day off from anything? School, work? I, I do. I do have the day off of one class, so it's not like anything major, but it's always nice to be able to sleep in. Excellent. Same with me. I'm not working Monday. That's what, um, contrary to what people say on Twitter, I have a high-profile job. My job may not be high-profile, but my show is, so I get the <laughs> it's day a, off. It's a blue check mark, right? It's a blue, oh, yes, we'll go with my blue check mark, <laughs> but there's a, there's a few things going on, but MWR.com, that's website. We don't take breaks. So if you're traveling and you get this Sunday night, Monday during the day, give us a listen. We've got some hoops to go over. Um, find us on Facebook, I guess. We're getting a few likes there. Um, Twitter, all that fun stuff. You know where to find us. Um, typically, you, Eli, tweet basketball stuff throughout the games. But where should we start tonight? we got a couple of things. Um, should we back tra- discuss the CSU stuff a little bit more? Because there is a little bit more of new news. Just a little bit. Yeah, we can discuss a little bit. Okay, so how surprised are you that Larry Stacey, as of – 9.04 Mountain Time, Sunday, February 18th, he's still the head coach of Colorado State. It is surprising, isn't it? I think we're a month, isn't it a month past when the initial reports came out? He's missed what? It's it's close. At least three weeks. It's been, uh, what, first week of February, I thought it was, like February 2nd or something. Okay, so it's inching there, but it's been a while. I'm, su- I'm surprised he's still uh, with the university. It's. I don't know because you hear what we had Justin on talking about. He just he hangs out more in California than than Colorado State area, <laughs> Fort Collins. Um, I I don't know, man. It's uh it is a unique situation, and I think I guess let's start with this over at um that was it the Denver Post. Matt Stevens has been all over the all over this. So has a. Uh, yeah, just him. Sorry, I'm looking. I have like four tabs open for CSU. Five days ago, so February thirteenth. The it's reported that the investigation has completed. A week prior to that, it was him, um, Eustace, saying he's expected to be fired. Why is it again? Why is it taking so long? I don't know. It, because well, and even before that, Eustace said that his job was safe, and then the next day he said he was going to be gone, and it sounded like that was going to happen last weekend i believe it sounded like he was going to be terminated and we're here on sunday night it still hasn't happened yet i and they're also on their third coach if you haven't heard if you're under a rock and not paying attention to us i it's just the weirdest thing and here's something i want to talk about because um it looks like early in the week i'll give you a quick update this is station's attorney met with Colorado state earlier on tuesday to defend the allegations of that abuse uh in a final interview okay it's been two-week investigation so right now Almost three weeks because this was done February 13th on Monday, day before Valentine's Day, I believe. So it was the first formal meeting of the parties during the process, which is odd as well. Two weeks later, you'd think they have all this backstory information from the prior report from former AD Joe Parker and everything going – all the legalese stuff that's come out, the some tweets about some memos about what he's allegedly done or admitted to doing, I should say. So I don't – I don't know why it took him two weeks to meet. Like, what else is Colorado State doing? 
Like, what were they doing to, okay, you're on administrative leave. It's similar situations from a couple years ago, but we're not going to meet with your lawyer for two weeks. What else are they looking into? Do you think that they just completed the investigation? Now they're gathering opinions on what to do next? Because there, there could be some break-even point where they, where they uh, meet as a group and kind of determine what to do in the next step. I'm bet, I bet you're I bet it's like a buyout situation. Like, what can he get paid for or not get paid for? Mm-hmm. Do you think that's what they're working on? Because he is 62. It not, could be. Not that that's extremely, like, coaches coach beyond that, but he's not, like, a young guy either. I, that could be the situation. I, I just would have thought that this whole process would have been completed at least a week ago, but um, it, it's possible that this termination might not happen until the regular season ends. I mean, there's, it's a possibility, right? I'm su- we're, we're both surprised it's lasted this long. Yeah, it's um, here's one inter- interesting note. Two things we're doing pre show stuff here, which, yes, we do so at time to time. But here's a couple notes on the his extension and buyout, and we'll get to the other hoop stuff momentarily. But this is the biggest story, obviously, and we want to update because we're not writing every little bit that comes out here. So his salary that is Larry Eustace, $985,000, and he has a buyout from about $3 million. Should Colorado State terminate his contract without cause? Which Honestly, I don't see it. I think they can get fire him with cause because zero tolerance, and this is a se- minimum second offense, at least public offense, of what he did. Should Eustace terminate the contract, which we'll get to momentarily, which is quite interesting, which goes through 2021, he would owe CSU at this time $4.5 million. However, this is interesting for CSU maybe being too nice. The Denver Post says that should Eustace elect to resign, school would waive that buyout it's owed. Should CSU waive the buyout if he resigns? So it, it kind of works both ways, doesn't it? Well, ba- well, here's the, like here's the the way like, we'll get to the other part which we discussed before. It's quite interesting. Basically, if he's fired without cause, he gets paid through about three million bucks. If he stays, she essentially the buyout's for as most people understand. He would take another job. So let's just say if this scenario was him taking a job in the Pac-12 during the summer, he would owe or there'd be some sort of buyout of him owing CSU four and a half million dollars because he left the university for another job. But it doesn't, it doesn't specify. This is if, um, if he's fired with cause, he technically showed them four and a half million dollars. I, I just, I don't, I find it hard to believe that this won't end with Larry Eustace being fired with cause. You don't think and, so? And, I I mean I think it it's guaranteed to happen. Oh, that it will uh, happen. But, okay, but and and you say she's not expected to take another job either. He said he said countless times that he wants to end his career in Fort Collins, and it, it probably isn't going to end up the way as he wished. But that does seem like the foregone conclusion. But do you think the Rams are being too nice if he resigns to waive that? Mm, probably because you can easily fire him for cause. I mean everything's on the table. No, I mean, they have, but, there's so much documentation of what he's done. I mean, but why should they let him off the hook for that? That's true. Yeah, that, that's what I'm getting at. Like, so I'm betting this is what the the lawyers, everybody, everybody's coming together. Like, how can we negotiate this out? Um, I just don't think they should uh, wave the buyout. And so it's like, here's a couple reasons why you're a school in this conference that's not raking in. 40 million bucks what the SEC got for foot college sports, mainly football. You're not even getting the 20 plus million to Pac 12 or ACC are getting. Why would the Rams give up 
You know what they could do with $4.5 million just in athletics? That could buy, not buy, but that could get a new coach. Let's just say they get a a coach at the same salary. That's a four-year contract right there. Four-year deal to get a pretty good coach to come to town. Why would that would they, be huge. Why would they let, yeah, why would they let that just off the hook and say, oh, whatever, you resign, no hard feelings, you owe us nothing. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's happening, yeah. That, so here's what I, we found out before. This I first discovered this by Sean Starr, and then I found the article on a, from Kelly Lyle at the Colorado Inn. This contract, Eli, we discussed is quite unique. So here's my, the timeline where I'm thinking this is pure speculation, so don't say this is a fact, accurate. This is me spitballing, which I think is kind of correct, where last February there was the big deal by the Colorado Inn. I think it was Matt Sievage, right, who did the first piece about the multi-year um, investigation. Is that correct? I believe it was him. I can't say with 100% positivity. I'm but pretty I'm, sure. I'm pretty, pretty sure it was him. So that was in February. And, again, this is a two-year deal. So it's not like it was a, they found something two months later, they resolved it or they pr- printed this or p- found the information. This was a multi-year thing. So here's what's – this is one of the most unique contracts I've seen. And we mentioned before, like, Eli, here's what it works out to be. I'll read it. And so you can – yeah, whatever. This is back in August 2013. He has a contract. The, currently, the contract goes through 2021. But here's how it came out. Eustacey mentioned part of this quote here. He's like, well, I can't go anywhere. And really, they can't put me anywhere because this is a commitment by two parties, which, great. But the most unique thing is this extension after – Technically, 27-2018 was when his deal, original deal is to end. However, there's an optional ex- extension for three years uh, by either side. That means Eustacey could pick it up or the school could pick it up, which usually it's one or the other. So do you think Eustacey could pick it up and then CSU would have to deal with, with that? That's it's for- a confusing situation. It is because that's where that money comes in because – and here's what's even more confusing. I'll read through the article because that's the point. Like if you if you have a contract, there's always a buyout on the inside. Typically, if you're a college coach and you get fired, even for losing games, which you would think would be for cause, they still get probably all their buyout owed to them or most of it. And what look at like Charlie Weiss. He's getting paid millions of dollars from Notre Dame in Kansas. Like he's getting <laughs> paid out the wazoo to not coach for – I think it's coming to an end, but that's the same deal. But here's what's more interesting. Eustacey, this is October twenty, um, October twentieth, twenty sixteen. A mere three months or four months before it came out publicly again, key key phrasing publicly that he was threatening players, swearing directly at players, just being an overly abusive coach, which we've seen recently that come up again. Uh, Eli, he had to know this is coming out that he's being investigated because he met with lawyers and Joe Parker, the former AD about, Hey, do this again. And you're gone. So he, at this point in October, he had to have known what was coming up. Right. You would think you would think so. And even, even before this, just knowing his past, you would think that people within the program of whichever university he's associated with, that there would be at least some type of, um, I don't want to say big brother, but something like that. There's always someone going to be watching what he's doing because he's known to have, a bit of an erratic personality that could cause issues with NCAA. That's right, guy. Justin Michael said last week that you could rarely go to any practices. Like you could talk to players after, 
you'd see very few minutes of practice time. But here's the thing, too. Graham's made this contract knowing what he did at Southern Miss, knowing what he did at Iowa State, knowing what he did anywhere else when you look into his history. The contract's way too friendly to him, to the coach. Not that you should make it super restrictive, like super high buyout or no coach option or no bonuses, because he had nice bonuses, like $200,000 for making the NCAA tournament, 100000 per round or per victory, hundred grand for winning the Mountain West regular season or conference title. Winning 20 games, get 40K. Those are pretty nice. Those are fairly standard, I would say. But here's where it gets interesting. This was a three, not a three-year contract extension, three one-year extensions, which is very unique. It doesn't make sense. Well, but I, why would you do that? <laughs> That's my question. Well, this was Eustachie doing it, remember? He picked this up. But, but why have separate contract extensions? layered on top of one another i i know there's stuff like where if you win 20 games you add a year into the contract like i think boise state football with brian harston i think if they win eight games which is pretty much a given for them almost every year he gets a uh i think it's a one year add-on plus a hundred thousand leon, leon rice has that too yeah something like that you win x amount of games add-on plus a bump and pay but it's just a three one-year thing and where it doesn't make sense either when you look at his buyout like as of right now if you stay, she were to leave the program by June 30th, 2018, for any reason, typically, like I said, you're going to take another job, he would owe the school $4.5 million. And then it decreases um, to $1.125, and then five, it just kind of decreases through the next couple years. Mm-hmm. So I just don't get why. First off, the contract's weird. Three one-year deals. You would think, why would the buyout for him leaving be $4.5 million if it's not a true three-year contract extension? I don't know. I, I guess my main question is, and you might not have the answer to this, is what if Eustachy, I guess, opts into the contract extensions and the university opts out? Or is that even a, no, is that I, even a possibility? The way it's worded here in the contract extension, the contract is unique. The coach said in that either he or the universities can pick up. It's not like I pick this up and I have to agree to picking it up. Either, either side could trigger the extension. It's like the player option you hear a lot in NBA. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, typically NBA. Player option, I'll pick up my player option. That's what this is. The, co- the team can't say no or or either way. They can't, they can't agree to. Whoever says yes has to do it. So if the Rams were to pick him up for an extension, the station would be – and I guess on the Rams side it would be because we don't want you to go anywhere because other people want your job. Or, I mean, you want a better job. That's why the Rams may lock him up because then they would be protected by some – future buyout, but they're still protected in this one anyways. So I guess what it comes down to the Ram, they're negotiating some sort of buyout because if he's fired with cause four and a half million dollars should be coming to the Rams basketball program or the, whatever they do with that money. So I guarantee what they're working on. And am I wrong to say the timing? You say she did that intentionally. I don't think that's too far fetched to say October extension picked up February, uh, reports come out saying he hasn't been a great coach because he's being overly aggressive, verbally abusive. I don't think that's a coincidence one bit because had he not picked up the extension, there's no reason for the Rams to pick him up. But also, the Rams are going to give him one more chance to not fire him as well at that time. Because, all right, yes, it's pretty bad stuff. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to do whatever, six meetings for like uh, what anger management, whatever. If you do something again, you get to film practice, all that stuff. But the Rams are still protected by him picking it up, but he's safety also because I I just think I don't think there's a coincidence one bit. He had to have known. It's it's certainly a possibility. You bring up some good points. 
Um, but if I were in his situation, I probably would have done the same, honestly, because yeah. then it's a, it's a bigger obstacle for the university to try to negate those additional extensions, and that just makes a larger financial problem for the university. Well, and also, like I said, every coach, typically you get some sort of money when you're done. I just think they're going to negotiate some buyouts, and Stacey's going to have to pay the money one way or the other. There's zero way he survives this at all. and Because how great is this for him? I, I, not that it's great, but um, I'm put on leave. He's still being paid, hanging out in California, essentially. He could still, what's he owed? $3 million? It's like, he's hanging out. Could, there's, three, there's a lot of money on the line, $3 bucks. so he's going to do what he can because that would wipe out, $4.5 million would wipe out his entire contract he's already earned, I believe. Yeah, I was I was going to mention that to you. It seems like that $4.5 million total is about what his contracts up to this point with in, with uh, Colorado State probably adds up to. And there's a reason the Rams might want to just let him off the hook. Not because they're doing him a favor, favor, because it's like the things where you want to bring in a good coach. You don't want an uber-restrictive where once you come to the school, you can never leave to find a better opportunity, whether it be better competition, better pay, you want to live in a certain part of the country. If you just fire him and say, You're, we're sticking this to you no matter what, that could hinder a future coaching search because, well, if they suck at you, Stacey, what's, what's them not sticking it to me to mm-hmm. go to the letter of the law to buy out? But I, I think it'll come out to be where Stacey will owe them something. I don't think he's getting away, getting away with – because you're not punishing him in one bit. He should be punished for something. Yes, being fired and for the rest of the contract because he could earn about another $3 million. So yeah, that's a big punishment to lose out on that money, but – that's kind of getting away with everything because, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I think that it's interesting to think about other coaches pursuing a job knowing that the university has a history of firing coaches or, or picking up buyouts, things like that. But every coach in America knows who Larry Eustachia is and yeah. coincidentally knows what he has done to hurt the universities in, in which he's coached at. So I think everyone probably expects – you say she to be terminated one way or another, and in a, in a scenario where it's probably justified because what he's done behind the scenes is not something that's acceptable at the Division One level or any level to to yeah. uh, add to that. And there could be stuff built in, but my my prediction right now, he's not going to be the coach. I think it's pretty clear. Obviously, he's going to. I bet he'll owe them at least two million dollars. Yeah, I wouldn't rule it out. Definitely wouldn't rule it out. Because, actually, you'd be dummy not to pursue that money because they already had a surplus on the – was just over $3 million for the football stadium. So that's $3-plus million. Let's say they get $6 total million. That's They did not have. That could go for a lot of things, not just athletics, but other sport – well, same thing. But, I mean, $6 million is a lot of money for – when that triples your – over triples your revenue, you get four times your typical TV revenue you're getting. And I don't expect the next head coach to earn much more than half of what Larry Eustachia's annual contract without bonuses was with Colorado State. So uh, any money that you can bring in, it just adds to the university. So that'll that'll be a good boost for the Rams if they are able to do that. So let's talk about this because there's one question that came in. We'll get to all the games and tournament stuff going forward here. Or not tournament, but like kind of look ahead. There's one question here. The most attract. this is from our good buddy, Fake Matt Mummy. Love him. He's a <laughs> fake Coach Mummy on Twitter. So most attractive job opening this offseason. Is it the only job Colorado State? Well, I would have told you heading into the year it would have been 
Utah, Utah State, State mm-hmm. yeah, with, with Tim Derrier leaving. But I think he's done enough to probably stick around. And they've had an up-and-down up and season. But mm-hmm. I think Colorado State is probably the only head coaching spot opening up. Maybe Air Force with Dave Pilovich, but probably not. San Jose State has a new coach. They're struggling this year. Um, San Diego State, you, UNLV, San Diego, essentially. They're, they're going to keep with Brian Dutcher. Paul Weir's done an excellent job at New Mexico. Alan Edwards, the same in, in Logan – or excuse me, in Laramie with Wyoming. So I think you'll probably see only – Colorado State open up potentially Air Force, but yeah. that's such a difficult job to maintain that I don't really know if moving on from Dave Pilipovich will be the best thing for that program. Utah State maybe because right now they're fourteen and thirteen. They did eclipse, they did match the amount of wins last year, and if they get Mickey or McElwain for another year, obviously that's going to build on there. So I guess CSU and ask for who the coach would be. Um, we have our list up. People have shared it, read it quite <laughs> extensively. So. Check that out if you want to read what Eli put out there. I, a lot of people like Becky Hammond, and don't listen to the haters who think she's a terrible coach or shouldn't be coaching men's basketball. Those people are losers or whatever. You don't need to worry about them. You can coach, you can coach. My biggest concern here with her, like I said, zero college coaching experience. That's a big deal. So, but that's I guess, I guess one thing to note on Utah State. Uh, right now, I'd probably give a coin flip on whether or not Tim Dury is coming back next year. But the thing is, if you're with U- USU right now, is that if you do get rid of Tim Derrier, there's a there's a really good chance you also lose Kobe McEwen, Sam Merrill, and D'Angelo Isby to go along with it because they could very well pursue greener pastures. And if that's the case, you're starting from square one. I mean, without those three, you're probably looking at one of the two or three worst rosters in the Mountain West. All right, let me go the other way real quick. Eric Musselman gone. Could that be the most attractive job? Uh, it's hard to say because Musselman, I think, is probably the sole reason why Nevada is as good as they are right now because mm-hmm. of how he's transformed the program. So when the coach leaves the program, you kind of wonder what the basketball tradition will be like without that coach. But Nevada has had historically good teams in the past. But if that job were to open up and with the the national label that Musselman has provided for Nevada the last couple seasons. I think that would be a pretty attractive job. Okay, I, I, that'd probably be the most attractive, right? More than CSU, do you think? Mm, I don't. I don't know. I. Oh man, that's tough. Do you think you would probably go with Nevada instead of Colorado State? I think I'm about even. I would. Mean, here's the thing: CSU's had more long-term success historically than Nevada. That's where, like, with Tim Miles and. Even they had, uh, what's his name, Stu Morrill, Roman sidelines there. They've been better overall than Nevada. Is, I, and so it's, I don't know, the transfer thing is a big deal because how many of these guys coming in are going to want to stay if it's a new coach as well? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a, right. That's the issue. And then pretty, I'd say, I'd say Nevada because it uh, depends who you get to. Depends on the type of coach. Are they going to go get like some retread or my favorite, Mark Pope, who will eventually be getting a higher job from Utah Valley one of these days. But I'm just saying, it, it might depend. It's pretty even. I'd probably give a slight edge to CSU because they've done it longer than Nevada and at a higher level because Nevada's moved up from the Big West to the WAC the past, what, two decades, 15 years? And you think that, well, 15 years, but look at Utah State. They've been struggling after dominating the Big West forever, doing extremely well at the top of the WAC. They get the Mountain West, and some of those same teams jumped up with them. They're still not getting 20-plus wins like they had forever. So that's why I think CSU by hair, but not by much. Yeah, I think it also depends on 
whether or not the if we're going the hypothetical that Musselman leaves, whether or not the assistant coaches with Nevada would stay because they have a really deep and strong assistant coaching staff in Reno. Dave Rice, Johnny, maybe. Dave Rice. Johnny Jones is there. Oh no, Dave Rice left. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. no. But like you like <laughs> you kind of mentioned is that they've they've had a lot of good assistant coaches pass through Reno and have gone on to better jobs. So it's a definitely a good place to assert yourself as a strong head strong assistant coach that could eventually lead to a head coaching job but yeah both both programs when they're at uh, their stronger points are some of the more attractive mid-major jobs in the country i'd say so before so i don't like a dummy dave dave rice is at washington or gonzaga yeah at washington okay mm-hmm. i remember I'm like oh dave rice oh crap no he's not um all right, it's good to he's games. been around. <laughs> he's, he's been around. Just hopefully he can learn some late coaching situations to be better guy next time. Oh, no. Hey, every time. It's not a podcast until we mention that, right? Every time. So let's get, let's get to some games. There's one big game this week. Nevada, Boise State. I was going to go with a segue and say, well, UNLV oh. didn't have to worry about a uh, late game scenario this weekend. Oh, jeez. That <laughs> game. We'll get to that later, but let's go back to okay. last week. Because that was a big game. You had a piece about – Talking with um, was it his high school coach? One of it was yes. it the mm-hmm. assistant coach down there in uh, California for uh, Hutchinson. Yeah, one of uh, Hutchinson's coaches down in Mission Viejo was kind enough to help me out a little bit on a story about Hutchinson tracking his development into a potential maybe maybe lottery pick in June. We'll see. Uh, but he's he's been playing really good basketball, and it's just crazy to think that just a handful of years ago. Hutchison wasn't even a varsity starter on his own high school team, but he's there now, and Boise State wasn't able to pick up the victory that they really, really needed against Nevada, but it was an excellent game, and I would I would hope for a round three in Vegas. What do you think? Sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, he needs – like, he's the scoring thing. Like, he was never really scoring until – like, was his first 60 games? He averaged, like, six points a game or something his first two years. At Boise oh, State. first two years were brutal. Yeah, I don't think he averaged over five points a game in his first two years. And then last year, he's what first team all conference. He's one of the best players in the conference overall. So here's uh, that game. Like a couple things, Boise fans are chanting about Lindsey Drew, hoping he's injured. Grow up! Don't do that. That was ridiculously dumb. Because he's out with the ruptured Achilles. He's out for the year. I don't know how they're going to handle because this game, this is pretty close, 77-72. Maybe we should mention the score. It is about a week old, so we don't need to go too deep into it. But they're already – like, Lindsey Drew played 19 minutes hard, didn't play – only had four points. But Boise's effort, like, they had a complete effort. It wasn't just Hutchinson because he was, what, fourth in scoring on the team with only 13, third in scoring. Bench is deep. They only get eight points off the bench from Hobbs there. And Alex Hobbs with him may go to four of nine. But Nevada just – it's just Martin and Carroll, you know what I mean? And Kendall Stevens stepped up big. This is a team where when they're on for three-point range, which is why they won with Kendall Stevens. Boise State, I guess they needed Hutchinson to take over, but he just uh, – you can't go 4-14, man. That's all I got to say about that. You got to – He, he, he yeah. missed seven of his last eight. Yeah, late in the game, it's like – and it was a five-point game. They were – it was a lot of points too. They are only down by two in the second half scoring. But Hutchinson, if you're going to be that guy, because we've seen him take over versus Utah State, Fresno State. When games are close, he usually steps up. But the, Nevada's one of the teams when you have whoever's down. Like, if he tries to drive to the hoop, like, he likes to create his own stuff. That wasn't happening late because you're missing shots, man. And if Boise's going to win the t- conference championship, which I think they can with Drew out, he has to do a little bit better than that. 
Yeah, I think so. And he's hit big shots in the past. I just recall his game winner in November against UTEP. He had that game-winning layup after he had struggled, and he also hit a buzzer beater against Colorado State last season. So he's known to take some clutch shots and usually make them. But I thought Nevada did a really good job defending him, and they've done pretty well defending him the last few years. So it's a big win for Nevada. And Boise State, you have to wonder – whether or not they'll be able to make that three-game push in Vegas because they need it now. The at-large possibilities are completely out the window without any quality victories and a few bad losses on their resume. So sometimes it just isn't in the cards, and that was the case on Valentine's Day against Nevada. So I, the, the loss of Lindsey Drew, I don't think many people understand how big of a loss that is for Nevada, and I know the, the short rotation stuff, that's huge, but Lindsey Drew is just a do-it-all guard for the Wolfpack. He's hit some huge shots this season. He gets assists and rebounds and defensive plays as often as any other player in this league, and he just makes plays. And without him, it changes the dynamic of the Nevada offense. So we'll see if Hallis Cook is able to step in. And he hasn't played a huge role with Nevada yet in his two seasons there. Uh, excuse me, first season there. But um, he, he's hit some big shots too. So I think Nevada's in okay shape, even with the loss of Drew, and they also lost Williams earlier this season. But, man, things are getting dicey for the Wolfpack, and it's it's just crazy how close they are to this whole thing blowing up. Um, and I, I keep thinking about that article that I had written a few weeks ago, <laughs> basically framing the what-if uh, if a player were to get hurt for the rest of the year or if they were to run into constant foul trouble in games against big teams and that. And since I wrote that article, that's basically been the case with um, the Martins obviously dealing with injuries throughout the year and now Lindsey Drew goes down after a half-court shot at the, the buzzer. And, I mean, they're playing with six, seven guys the rest of the season in hopes of reaching the NCAA tournament. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But, um, man, it, you don't see stories like this very often, that's for sure. Now, I think what they need to have done is Kendall Stevens need to step it up, which he sort of can at times. But like, look at the Utah State game. They needed to score 93 points to beat Utah State team. And they had 73 come from three players, both Martin brothers and Jordan Caroline. Nobody else had double digits. They technically had four people off the bench play, but Cunningham and Tooley had zero minutes. So I guess they round down if you catch the game. <laughs> but they needed that many points to be. I know Kobe had 32 for Utah State, and he went 10 of 20 from the field. But if you need 93 to beat Utah State, you're in trouble. And they're going to, they basically have already clinched the number one seed because they already have a two game lead and of the tiebreaker over Boise State. So they'd have to lose three more times to not win the conference title. Even though technically they have a two two game loss column lead, one and a half overall. They basically have to lose, be twelve have five losses to uh, not win the conference title. They're gonna win the conference title, be the number one seed. But I gotta say Boise's probably my favorite to win the league because three games in three days or whatever they're gonna play, they're I know short bench, everybody's gonna tighten it up in the tournament. Like how much tighter can it get for Nevada? They're already going to be down. I mean, Drew's down. Who else are you going to give minutes to? I like if we're looking at right now, I got to give Boise the chance, the best team to be there in Las Vegas because they played them close and Nevada. They only have a couple games to figure something out and muscle in What we've seen, he's not going to change much of anything. He may give 
like I mentioned, those guys who got technically zero minutes, he might get a minute or two here or there, but he's not going to change much. This is going to be a seven-player bench for the whole conference tournament and beyond. I would probably, I guess, since we're already on the topic, we did get a question this evening, which uh, which was from Jay the Lobo fan on Twitter. He said, aside from Nevada, what team do you feel is getting hot at the right moment to maybe snatch the auto bid? Curious to hear your responses. So, it sounds like you're going to the Boise well, State. I, I would. I, I wouldn't say yeah. Boise State's a hotter team because they're not. They lost. I'm just saying, like who they have overall. Um, I guess you could go with your team. I know. I probably know who you're going to say, but go ahead. Yeah, you probably know. It's Fresno State. Yeah, and they've been playing really good basketball. They've won seven of nine. Their two losses were a three point loss to Utah State and an eleven point loss on the road to Nevada. And the the stretch ahead, the, the remaining four games that the Bulldogs have are are all winnable. So we could realistically see them winning seven of eight before they head to Vegas. And I think when they're on, and I've mentioned this countless times, when they're playing as well as they can play, they're virtually unbeatable. And that front court has stepped up. They've won their last four games all by at least 18 points, which is very impressive. Um, so I'll probably roll with the Bulldogs if we're not going Nevada, but I think Nevada's still the favorite regardless. I would I would say UNLV, but not when you get doubled up by a bad Aztec team. Oh my gosh, they they got absolutely leveled. Like I, I was looking, like okay, they played Boise because we talked about them last week. They played Boise close by two points. Barrett lost to Fresno by both road losses by eight total points. They beat Aztecs at home by ten. They beat like whatever San Jose State. They got the huge win over UNL or Nevada on the road in Reno. Then they, I don't. I they were know. playing really, really good basketball. Yeah. And the winners of five of six, you mentioned that overtime loss. And then they lost 94 to 56 to a San Diego State team that, frankly, has been one of the probably five worst teams in the conference this year. So I, I guess I could, if I want to be sneaky, weird, I could say UNLV just because it's their home court. But the losing bite was a four, 10, it was a four. What's that? Forty-eight points, or whatever. Ninety-four to fifty-six. I'm not going to do the math. A lot to a little, and so being, <laughs> yeah, being there at home is going to help. Hot wise, yeah, Fresno because Fresno's not getting talked about at all. Like, yeah, they they've been like not just winning teams. They've been playing well. Like, be okay. San Diego State's not very good, but their past three three victory four victories have been what eighteen point minimum. Like Nevada, Wyoming by eighteen, San Diego State by um, eighteen as well. Twenty over San Jose State. Colorado State by what twenty? What's that? Twenty-one points. Yeah, so they've just been crushing everybody. It's not like they're squeaking by. They scored ninety-two versus Nevada and lost. And so they they're a good team that nobody's paying attention to. I think, and they're a team that's gonna. I would go with you, but yeah, I I think Boise's a favorite, but for hottest team, Fresno by far, and nobody seems to care about them. No, and that's kind of their mo too. And I think the Fresno State players know that, and I've been follow a lot of what they say on social media, their players are, they, I really like their personalities because they play with this huge chip on their shoulder and they know that no one really seems to give them credit no matter what they do. And that's the kind of attitude I think if you're in Fresno State's position that you need to possess heading into Vegas knowing that you need to win every game that you play. And if Fresno State, if they enter the tournament having won eight straight games with the two losses, close losses to Utah State and Nevada, I think that's all the momentum that they need to potentially upset some teams and enter the NCAA tournament. All right, you want to know why um, Fresno should? Um, let me ask you this, Eli. Do you know how many head coaches have won a conference title, tournament, championship in the Mountain West at the moment? 
Wait, can can you rephrase that? Yes, yeah, sorry, that's a terrible question. How many head, <laughs> how many head coaches in this conference have a conference tournament championship? Oh man, um, how many active coaches right now? Co- yeah, coaching on this on of the of the eleven teams, how many coaches have won a conference championship within the Mountain West? Two. Uh, is I would I wouldn't have guessed more than three. Rodney, Terry, and Musselman. That's yeah, it. that's that's right. So that's why you want Fresno to hey, I know what Menzies has done. Huh. Different. That's a good stat. That's pretty good, Jeremy. I was looking there, I'm like, because I know that we're talking coaches earlier. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I, I, I was double checking for Leon Rice really quick, but I knew Alan Edwards because he took over for Schroyer. Dutcher's there. Dury hasn't done anything. Stu Merle's gone. Well, they haven't won it, but yeah. So only, that's why Fresno State should not be overlooked. They have a head coach who's won a conference title, and so that that's nothing to sneeze at. And so there you go. So we could realistically enter the Mountain West tournament final with the only head coaches, the only active Mountain West head coaches that have ever won a Mountain West title. True. Very exactly. And technically, a match. Yeah, something like that. Sure. So, I'm looking at TeamRankings.com. This is quite interesting because I'm going to do these daily articles once we get to Vegas and lead up to it. Maybe not now just because. Let's play a game, Eli. Oh, boy. <laughs> Whenever you say that, I'm like, oh, man, I'm about to embarrass myself. It's okay. This is 100% total, so it's not like 100% per team. So, TeamRankings.com has Nevada as the favorite at 37% chance to win the conference tournament. Who would you say is number two? Hmm... UNLV. You're close. I'll just read. San Diego State? Oh, almost there too. No, it's Boise State. Okay. Here's a percentage breakdown. Because you brought up the two teams I was going to mention. 16, 16.5% for Boise. San Diego State, or excuse me, UNLV, 15.5%. San Diego State, 14%. Both of those are more than Fresno State. <laughs> I, yeah, I have nothing to add on that San Diego State percentage. I know UNLV. I'm like, eh, okay, whatever. But this is you're telling me one out of seven times that this San Diego State team is going to win the Mountain West tournament team rankings. Is that's what that's what you're trying to tell me? That's what I'm telling. Team up seven and seven in play, fifteen and ten overall. Yeah, they did. Well, hey, you beat UNLV. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe there's something to that, right? Was that game at um, Viejas? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That, I know. I was. I was thinking about that. Too. Double checking real quick. I can see the rebels getting a little more bumped just because they're at home for the tourney. But I'll I have to keep an eye on those team rankings because it's a it's a fun fun place to look. What about at. Colorado State? Point one. Stupid upset pick. Point one. <laughs> okay. Just for you keeping track, that's not the lowest. You're saying it, there's a chance. Yes. It, just so you know, Air Force San Jose State zero percent. <laughs> it's mathematically impossible, huh? Well. It's not, but it's less than what less than one tenth of a percent. What is shock? What is shocking? What is shocking? Really quick, Wyoming's only given two point two percent. Hmm. Okay, San Diego State's seven times more likely to win this thing than Wyoming. Yeah, that's what's being said. Team rankings. I don't know about you sometimes. Hey, them and FPI, right? Oh yeah. Was there any other? I only understand Ken Palm. You know what's even, you know what's even more interesting? Okay, what's Seth that? Greenberg. Uh, he likes to be weird on Twitter sometimes. Yeah. So how familiar are you with Penn State basketball at the moment? Are they kind of all over the place? Yeah, they're kind of sporadic. So here's why he should never, ever be on the selection committee, ever. Ever. 
He goes, this is uh, tonight on Sunday night. I don't care what their quad one wins are. Penn State basketball would win a game in March Madness. They have the guys that can make flat out make plays, poor management at end of half, but these dudes can break you down. In 2019 or 2020? This tweet, February 18th, 2018. <laughs> I, I hope uh, he knows which tournament he's talking about because I don't think that's going to be this tournament. And I can't base on, oh, if they could beat any team. Yeah, hey, guess what? Um, UNLV could beat 16th seeded um, Belmont, or you know what I mean, or some SWAC team. Any, you know what I mean? Like that, saying they could win a tournament game is not over a really high bar to surpass. Not that I'm they, saying one seed, but you get my point. It's like, I don't care. It's not the point. They have to earn victories. You can't be close losers unless you're serious. This, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this this might just be my observation, but it seems as if announcers this year have been incredibly generous with how they're approaching this year's bracket. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know if you follow David Warlock, who does the media coordination for NCAA, but yesterday he wrote, by my count today, college basketball broadcasters <laughs> have placed 174 teams into the tournament. I was about to bring and that tweet up. I didn't know who said it, but I remember seeing it. I was gonna it's so that. true. Everyone is saying that every team has a chance. <laughs> I don't I don't know where to begin. It's uh, no, I saw that. I'm like, oh, that's that's a good tweet there. It's whatever. It's things happen, but saying it's like saying, are they a Sweet 16 team? Well, it doesn't mean you're one of the 16 best teams in college basketball because Florida Gove Coast a couple years ago made the Sweet 16. Great team, great story, had two great victories, but they're who they're not one of the top 16 teams that year. So it's yeah. like it's just drawn stuff. But I just wanted to bring that up because Seth Greenberg is being weird. Um, I, I guess to to bring it back to the Mountain West scope, what do we got? how many teams? How many teams do you think realistically could win the Mountain West tournament? Oh, if if you if you looked up Sports Reference in two months, would you not be surprised to see X amount of teams as the Mountain West tournament champion? Hmm. Honestly, I could see five teams winning the conference tournament. So I would guess Nevada, Boise, Fresno, UNLV, and Wyoming. Oh, that's four, right? One, two, three, four. Wait, who did you say again? Sorry, Nevada, Boise. I'll just say them because I just spaced out for half a second. Nevada, <laughs> Boise, Fresno, UNLV, and Wyoming. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. So there could be. I, I, we'll get to it later because we'll be in Vegas doing some maybe um, – Maybe we shouldn't mention if we're going to place money or not towards games, but we'll see. I'll keep that a little secret. <laughs> Rigging the system, yeah. How, how ethical is that to whatever? I'm not going to get into it. Um, they don't pay us enough to decide if we're ethical or yeah, not. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say. Not yet. We're hoping. Um, were there any other games this past week we really need to discuss? We mentioned the blowouts. Yeah, Boise, Nevada. CSU still struggling with their whatever's going on with them. I don't know. Uh, San Jose State still is not capable of scratching out a win. Are they going to get a victory, conference victory this year? Oh, man. I don't see it happening now. Well, maybe in the finale at Air Force. At. Kenpon gives them a 29% chance of winning. Keyword at. <laughs> I mean, regardless of whether it's home or away, I don't really know if it matters at this well, point. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Uh, Air Force has been decent at home, though, this year. Mm-hmm. I'll have to give them credit for that. But then again, twenty-seven percent chance. So it's uh, let's take a look. Let's see if there's FP. Let's see if there's a BPI for that game. There is a BPI for that final game. Here we go. March third, two p.m. local time. We know the favorite's going to be Air Force. Who? What's the percentage? Air Force is a 
68% favorite. Close, 77%. Oh. That's in line with Ken Palm just about. You said 27? This is pretty close. I, I would like to see San Jose State win a conference game. I think that coaching staff is pretty level-headed, and I hate I mean, I hate to see San Jose here. State head towards where they were the last couple of years after the Dave Wojcik stuff, but, man, this team is just just not getting it done right now. Well, it's tough. You lose your best player. You have to hire a coach in the summer. So it's like how – it's this year's a waste. Mulligan, not a waste. But like what kind of what Paul Weir said in New Mexico. Year one, nobody's expecting much, but here we are. This is kind of the opposite, but it's uh, – a. I don't know how better they'll be next year, but it's just, it's tough. They've they bring almost everyone back, which could be good. That'll be something. So I guess um, I don't know, nothing big this week. I guess I guess Fresno at UNLV could be intriguing on Wednesday, just because it's at UNLV. If we wanted to see Fresno be that team, like if you're the if they're the hot team to maybe win the conference tournament or over exceed expectations, UNLV is always good at home. They it's going to be a Obviously, Planet Thomas and Mac. I think that could be something we should watch on Wednesday night because Brandon McCoy plays well. Uh, Maureen does a good job. Let's see what Taylor and everybody else can do for Fresno. But that's probably if you're going to watch the game this week, at least weeknight, watch that one. Yeah, those are there's some really good individual matchups in that game as well. I'll be curious to see how the Fresno State front court does against Juicin and McCoy of UNLV, and then the guards for both teams are pretty excellent. So that'll be a good one. And Fresno State will have to familiarize themselves with. Winning at the Thompson Mac if they hope to reach the NCAA tournament. And if you have eight dollars, you can get into that game. There you go. That sounds like a pretty sweet deal. And let's play F. Uh, not sorry, I'm thinking football. BPI. What do we for Fresno at UNLV? <laughs> if I remember correctly, I don't think BPI likes UNLV that much. Okay. You're not, you're not giving me any hints here. Okay. No, <laughs> I was about to. I'm like, nope. I'm gonna stop. <laughs> um, I'm giving UNLV the fifty. 50- Three percent nod, not quite close. Sixty-one, sixty-two percent. So. Ooh, okay. It's a l- little bit more, especially coming off that big loss. Oh man, yeah, you're not, you're not Under- lying. Understatement, big loss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I guess if we're gonna go to Saturday, there's see, I like basketball, but sometimes it's like I don't want to watch San Jose State play basketball. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> um, I guess Wyoming at Fresno State will be another big one. That's on ESPNU, eight o'clock. Um, or 7 p.m. Pacific out there. I would. I think that could be interesting because the duo of James and Dalton for Wyoming, that's the reason why I would predict them to have a shot in the conference tournament. If those two guys go off for 50 points a game, they could beat anybody. I'm seeing right now, I, I could be wrong, but it seems like Utah State Air Force is the highest-rated game on Kempom for Saturday out of the mm-hmm. Mountain West. That How? can't be right. Why? How? Uh... You sure about okay, that? there's Wyoming Fresno State at 39.2. Mm, okay, I think that is the highest rated game. But like, like you said, that should be an interesting game. And I think uh, Wyoming's still just a team that you can't quite figure out what they'll do on the road or at home. Um, they did have that three-game winning streak in which they beat Utah State, San Jose State, and Colorado State. And I know that's not the class of the Mountain West, but it did happen. And then they lost. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's very much a thing. And then they lost two straight games by double digits to UNLV and San Diego State. So uh, take that for what it's worth. But I think Fresno State could have a pretty solid week this week. And potentially, would you give them a chance to sneak up that number two spot? They're a loss behind Boise State right now. Um, 
But let I don't me know if uh, State's gonna lose another game. Let's check their schedule. They've played Boise twice already, or once. What did they play one time? They played once and lost. So the one issue a little bit is that the extra game, which just they played that Monday night game on February twenty sixth. That's because the uh, makeup game of the Air Force. Um, I can see them winning out. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Fresno finishes twenty three and eight. But Boise mm-hmm. would have to lose. What I'm trying to look at the standings. So are they one game back or two games back? Fresno one, State is one game back in the loss column. One loss. So, but, but Boise State does have the head-to-head advantage. Now they'll be three because losing twice doesn't seem likely. Because, yeah, they're not Boise's not, and they only have three games less as less as left as well. So you'd see have to see them losing probably at San Diego State and home versus Wyoming. Which the way Aztecs play to get to UNLV, I give them a small chance, but. Now, Fresno's going to be a three seed, which means they'll play Boise in the, in the semifinals most likely. And That'll be a really good game. And hopefully my travel works well. I'll be down there. I will be down oh. there, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'll be there, but I'm just you – know, stuff happens. I'm leaving it a, out there. A, a semifinal with Nevada against UNLV and Boise State against Fresno State Woo! would make for some awesome matchups. That would be really, really fun. Stay up till 4 a.m. at East Coast because that last game is probably 9.30 Pacific. Shouts to the reporters getting it done. Uh, okay, yes. X, okay, I'm asking one more question here. Mm-hmm. Fresno State, let's get back on them. Are they going to receive votes in Monday's AP poll or whenever it comes out? Is, there, is it coming out tomorrow, President's Day, or will, will it be out normal? I think it will be out tomorrow, and I definitely don't think they'll receive any votes. No votes? No. The way that the AP voters handled Boise State this year, I, I don't think they'll show Fresno any love. Because Boise's not even getting any votes right now, are they? No. And even even when they're at their peak before they had those losses and they started playing a bit um, off their usual self, I don't think they scored more than one point any of those couple weeks there. They're getting like two points. Well, okay, let me ask you this. If Fresno goes undefeated for regular season, will they be ranked? Probably not. You mean entering conference tournament week? Yes. For by the time the Mountain West plays conference tournament, they're sitting at twenty three and eight. Will they be in the top twenty five of the AP poll? I think they'd probably receive some votes, but I don't think they'd make the top twenty five. Would Boise State if they go undefeated the rest of the way? Yes, because I think more people are talking about Boise than Fresno. Even though Boise right now has zero point in either poll. I would. I'd probably give if if they both if they both won out. I would say Boise State had a better chance of receiving more votes in the AP poll than Fresno. All right. One last thing. We're gonna wrap it up here. So we're talking about this stuff. Like Fresno's not really getting the credit. I think partly because uh, I don't know. I haven't done my BPI thing recently. Or FPI or the uh, Ken Palm stuff. I've been kind of switching it up to standings wise. Do does Fresno have any chance for an at large bid? No. Zero chance. No. There, no chance. I'm looking at okay. I'm looking at bracket matrix. Like no team has them at all. Is that a little surprising to you, or is that what you expected? Mm, I I wouldn't say it's surprising. I just think Fresno State didn't start off too hot. Mm-hmm. I, I given they did start off nine and two, but lost to Evansville and no quality wins didn't really put them on the map. And then once they did get their shot against Oregon, they blew that game. And then they've been flying under the radar ever since. And that's why even among Mountain West circles, you won't find many people talking about them. I think also Utah State loss does not buy there twice. Right, twice. Yeah, getting swept by Utah State does not help your cost. So, all right, so I okay, we'll get into all this other stuff later, but anything else we need to add? We answered a couple of questions. We trimmed down our CSU talk to the first 15 minutes only. 
tonight. <laughs> if uh, if Fresno State's a 13 seed in the NCAA tournament after winning the Mountain West tournament, just say that uh, we definitely warned you guys. Yeah, they, weren't they a 13 seed when they played Utah a couple years ago? I think they were a 14. Something pretty low. So I'm I'm pretty sure they were a 14. Yeah, if we're gonna pick, like, okay, let me let's get out on this really quick. I know it's early and we'll get to it down the road, but who would be like the most dangerous? Non Boise Nevada team is it Fresno or Wyoming? They say either see see those are the two teams that would or let's throw in UNLV as well. If you had UNLV because I think those five teams have a shot to win the conference tournament. If UNLV Fresno or Wyoming get into the NCAA tournament, who would you say would have the best chance to get a victory? Oh, oh man, I would probably say UNLV because I think uh, some teams would have trouble matching up with McCoy and Juicin, and if Jovan Morin is shooting. As as well as Jordan Johnson, if those two are shooting well from the perimeter, I think Rebels are pretty tough to stop. Okay, I'm just curious. It's, I know it's hard to tell about opponent and stuff, and I know it's all about guard play. And but UNLV has good guard play and a down low play. So, mm-hmm. all right, that's all we got for tonight. We'll be back next week where we'll talk. What else? More Mountain West hoops and check us out mwwire.com. Check out our Wyoming piece on the 75 year team winning national title by Ryan Swanson, who the team featured four guys named James. So. <laughs> it just read this. Everything he does does a good job. So check out all of his stuff because it's always good. He's done a few different pieces, but check that out. Check out all. We'll have our basketball stuff this week. Like I'll do kind of a preview, early preview. Like, hey, here's the standings. Here's the early bracket. Maybe I will to Eli Chagrin write something with TeamRankings.com included. Just oh because. boy, <laughs> do it for the do it for the hits, right? Exactly. So that's all I got. So again, um. Subscribe to our podcast. Let let friends know you like our show. Or if you don't like our show, still let them know because let them decide for themselves. Go to uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, tune in. Basically anywhere where podcasts are sold, you can find us. And we'll see you next week.